Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the interwebs. And around the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station, and or FM translator. Good morning and welcome to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show broadcasting live. Hello and good morning. Wow. What a night last night. The wind uh, well, actually went to bed early last night, which is unusual for me. <laughs> you usually find me very resistive to actually going to bed, although I know that I should. I know that I, you know, that I... You know, I'm like, oh, five hours is plenty of sleep. Nobody needs more than five hours of sleep. Anyway, last night I went to bed uh, pretty darn early and um, woke me up. The wind, ooh, man, just howling, howling through the Matsu. And uh, now moving on, I guess, to other parts of the state as well. Uh, still pretty windy here. But if for some reason the show goes dead today just for no reason whatsoever, it's probably because the power's been knocked out somewhere uh, here in the valley. There's been reports of outages all over the place with the trees blowing onto the power lines and everything else. So if I abruptly cut off, then no, I'm just kidding. That was really, that was, but if I do abruptly cut off, it's probably <clears throat> what happened is it's probably a little windy and somebody knocked the power out or didn't pay the bill. One of the two. I'm, I'm not sure which. Probably, uh, probably the latter. I probably forgot to pay the bill. Uh, so anyway, good morning. It's Tuesday. Tuesday, a beautiful day, uh, blue skies now, still a little breezy and windy here. But uh, not nearly like it was last night. So uh, I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you're enjoying the b- the breezy day here as we uh, as we get things rolling on. Tuesday also means, of course, that we're going to dive deep into the uh, into the minutia of the whoops uh, minutia of uh, of the state business and everything else. Today is uh, Brad Keithley's day to come on board and share with us his thoughts on a multitude of topics for the weekly top three, including all the emergent legislative issues for 20, <clears throat> excuse me, 2023, which include, you know, things like, uh, you know, education, teachers, local governments, all that kind of stuff. We're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about the North Slope's uh, place in the evolving oil world. And finally, some good news <clears throat> on Willow. And so we will um, we'll we'll have a we'll have a whole bunch of discussions this morning on uh, on all that stuff. We might even talk about well, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what we get into here this morning as we uh, uh, as we go forward. Um, all right. Uh, so that's going to be Brad Keithley in hour one. In hour two, it's going to be our friend Chris Story who is going to give us our weekly life coaching lesson. 
Now, uh, Chris, uh, we love it when he comes on board because he gives us kind of the whole, you know, he just he makes me feel good. All right. This is really more about me uh, than anything else, because I need that weekly pick me up. I don't know about you. You might need it. You might feel like it. But I will tell you that you definitely uh, that I definitely do. And so that that segment's really more for you than me. Uh, if you benefit from it, then so much the better. But uh, I, I definitely uh, need that check-in. I love that. I love that. All right. Um, <clears throat> so I guess we well, – can we dive right in? I suppose we could dive right into the headlines as to what's going on and what's uh, happening around the state of Alaska. Um, I want to see what uh, you guys uh, – uh, you guys have to say, oh, it was windy in Fairbanks, too. Somebody in the chat room just said they lost power. This windstorm must have been huge if it reached all the way from Fairbanks through Wasilla down onto the peninsula. This must have been a huge, huge thing. So uh, anyway, you guys, uh, I'm glad you're safe. I'm glad you're ready to go. Let's uh, let's let's dive into some stuff here, shall we? And see what's going on. Let's see. We got notes from the campaign trail that we could talk about. So some of the endorsements and some of the other things that are coming out of this. And also uh, some other campaign news. But first and foremost, I guess I should dive into this because I we had an interesting discussion with uh, Stephanie Taylor. Jody Taylor. I'm sorry. Jody Taylor. Not Stephanie. Stephanie is somebody else. Jody Taylor the other day. Uh, from the Alaska Policy Forum. And we were talking about the use of, uh, or what she called dual enrollment, which was the use of correspondence funds to help fund private school. And uh, they have been doing that apparently for a couple of years, um, is what it looked like. Um, But there has been a new ruling out of the Attorney General's office. And um, I have a feeling that we're going to be, uh, I have a feeling that we're going to be duking this out over the next, uh, I don't know, uh, in the near future. Let's put it that way. The Attorney General, uh, the Office of the Attorney General, rather, has clarified the use of public funds now for private education. Uh, The use of public correspondence uh, school funding allotments to pay for most or all of a student's private school tuition is, quote, almost certainly unconstitutional, unquote. This is from the AP, uh, according to an opinion released yesterday by the Alaska Attorney General's office. Now, the opinion was issued by Deputy Attorney General Corey Mills uh, due to the fact that Attorney General uh, Treg Taylor had recused himself because his wife, Jody had written about school choice and allotments in a post in May on the Alaska Policy Forum's website, and of course, she was also on the program here a couple of weeks ago to talk about with us as, uh, to talk about it with us as well. So she has been pretty vocal about uh, what can be done uh, with this matter, and uh, Treg Taylor had to recuse himself. So Corey Mills uh, issued the opinion and said that uh, she finds it likely uh, uh, likely un- uh, uh, to be constitutional to use the allotments for discrete services or materials like private tutoring or some extracurricular activities, but unconstitutional to use it for private tuition in private schools. Uh, they did say that there will also be situations that fall into a gray area and that the state education department and school districts should consult legal counsel when such cases arise. 
Um, the questions about these programs came up last year, uh, as well as when Jody Taylor's piece came out and around a recent Supreme Court decision. She said it's seen as important to issue a formal opinion on the program. She believes that the framers of the state's constitution were concerned with, quote, supplanting a public education with a private education That's uh, that is different uh, than supporting or supplementing a public education with the use of some private school resources. Uh, now, the state's constitution says that no money, quote, shall be paid from public funds for the benefit, direct benefit, of any religious or other private educational institution, unquote. Um, and that, she said, makes it pretty clear. Uh, according to the opinion, correspondent schools are publicly funded and subject to state regulatory oversight. I see this, again, as being a bigger <clears> – <throat> I see this as being part of a bigger fight that's going to be coming. We're going to have to deal with issues, and if we're going to try and create this backpack funding that we talked about um, on the program here that we've talked about uh, in the past on the program, then uh, we're going to have to find some way to make that work within the framework of the current Constitution, or it may be something that is brought up if we decide to have a constitutional convention and maybe something that will have to be put into the Constitution at that point. Um, but we're going to have to see. Uh, we're going to have to see. I mean, people should have a choice of how they want their children educated. They should not be relegated strictly to government schools uh, with monies that are spent on their behalf. Um, they should have some choice in that. And I think backpack funding personally is the way to go. Uh, so we'll be watching this debate, and maybe we'll have uh, Jody Taylor back on the program here in the near future to discuss this. All right, endorsements, endorsements. Who's got the endorsements? Well, let's see. Charlie Pierce uh, had the announcement uh, yesterday that uh, Senator Laura Reinbold has now endorsed his ticket along with Edie Grunewald for governor and lieutenant, uh, and lieutenant governor, also endorsing uh, Mayor Pierce was Andy Kreiner from Kreiner's Diner, who had the big battle in Anchorage here uh, most recently. Uh, so big endorsements for Charlie Pierce on that uh, um, on that uh, uh, side of the world. Mike Shower got one of the most prized endorsements, according to Suzanne Downing over at Must Read. Mayor Dave Bronson has uh, endorsed Mike Shower for Senate seat, well, was E, now O, um, and uh, that is a prime endorsement for um, uh, for State Senator Mike Shower. Also from the state uh, from the state uh, Republican Central Committee, um, there were some endorsements. Uh, Christopher Kirka uh, failed to get an endorsement from the Republican Party and issued a scathing rebuke. I don't know if you saw this press release. It showed up in my email box, and it was a scathing rebuke. From the Republican Party um, for for not endorsing who, who is obviously the most conservative candidate in the world, um, or at least in the state of Alaska. And uh, he did not receive that endorsement. Um, but uh, meanwhile, Joe Wright, a candidate for seat L, received the overwhelming endorsement for the uh, party uh, for Senate seat L. Uh, Ken McCarty and Kelly Merrick are also running for that seat. Um, but uh, McCarty did not receive the endorsement. Uh, Joe Wright did. And, in fact, Representative Kelly Merrick received her second censure from the Alaska Republican Party, first as a House representative member and now running as the Senate. She was censured 
yet again. Um, Elijah Verhagen for State Senate in Fairbanks did receive the State Central Committee's endorsement. However, uh, Click Bishop, the sitting incumbent, did not. Mia Costello got an endorsement in her seat and race against uh, Matt Clayman. Tuckerman Babcock running for Senate in the Kenai was endorsed by the party. Meanwhile, Jesse Bjorkman, his Republican opponent, did not. And finally, Heath Smith of Homer was endorsed for Senate, but incumbent Gary Stevens was not. Um, and uh, that... I mean, that's a that's a pretty interesting list of people who were endorsed and not endorsed. Heath Smith, by the way, will be joining us on uh, Thursday. We're going to get a chance to talk to Heath. He's going to be joining us in our um, uh, excuse me. He's going to be joining us in uh, hour two uh, of the program uh, up there in uh, hour one. We're going to be uh, talking with uh, <clears throat> Benjamin Vincent who is running against uh, Louise Stute. So it's an all-Kodiak day on Thursday. We'll have Benjamin Vincent in Hour 1 and Heath Smith in Hour 2. So running against Louise Stutes and Gary Stevens, respectively. So that should be a fun time. And finally, Governor Mike Dunleavy has decided to dodge the bullet. This was a post yesterday from Dunleavy's campaign. After consideration, we are respectfully declining to complete candidate surveys submitted by the Alaska Beacon and the Anchorage Daily News. While the questionnaires are helpful to the public for relatively unknown candidates, myself, Bill Walker, and Les Guerra have lengthy public records that every member of the media can reference in their coverage of the 22 elections. At the same time, we recognize the importance of providing access to reporters covering this race. We have offered interviews to reporters from the Beacon and the ADN in lieu of responses to their respective surveys. Members of the media who wish to schedule an interview with our team can submit their requests via email. Um what? Yeah, uh, apparently we've decided that since we are politicians, we don't need to answer your surveys because we you will run on our record. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, okay. Um, I just, I read that and I was like, what? This is what? So that's... Uh, that's your that's your headline roundup for right now. We gotta go. The Michael Luke Show continues. Uh, Brad Keithley getting ready to kick things off here in just a moment. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio, and the weekly top three. It's all dead ahead right here. We'll be back with more right after this. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. I mean, I read this, and the first thing I thought was, what? And I think Katie uh, Rooks, who responds, she's one of the first to respond in this whole thing from the governor, says, this is all I needed to know. Dodging real questions to answer real questions is hardly a new thing. Uh, that, I mean, that pretty much, uh, that pretty much does it right there. Um, that pretty much sums it up right there.
Um, so anyway, I had to I had to chuckle when I when I read that whole thing. That is that pretty much sums up the whole deal right there. Uh, let me go over here to see what you guys have got going on. We're still alive in Fairbanks. It's windy, huge, huge. It was huge in Fairbanks. Good morning. Schools don't exist except to provide a service to citizens, a stu- service to students who are also citizens. Uh, good morning, good morning, good morning. In regard to the windstorm, not sure it's a tactically sound idea to emergency broadcast to every cell phone in Fairbanks that 911 is down and the purge has officially started. <laughs> oh, man. Republican Party is not supporting conservatives. This is not the first time, nor will it be the last. Um yeah, I don't know if it's just his brand of conservatism that they don't like or what, but I mean, interesting. I mean, the scorched earth policy, the 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 letter that he sent out the the next, I mean, it was wow. Oof. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, we can uh, we can get into that. Let me uh, let me launch this here. Let me excuse me while I whip this out. Uh, no, go back. Good lord. I want to, now I did it. I broke it. There we go. Sorry, click the wrong button. You know how that is. So what happens when you're a button clicker. Uh, let me go back over here and launch this meeting and get things ready to go. Yes, launch the Zoom meeting. Has Kirka gotten any endorsements from the Republican Party? Uh, that would be a negative, Ghost Rider. Um, I do not believe so. I do not believe that he has, in fact... Uh, gotten any endorsements from the party at this time. All right. Uh, let's see if this thing's actually working. It says it's connecting. Says it's connecting. Hey, look at that. Join with computer audio. Well, I, I'm seriously jealous wherever he's at. I can't hear him yet, but I'm seriously <laughs> jealous. That's What the actual hell? It's uh, super nice wherever you are right now. Let me... Uh, before we get too far along, let me turn you down just a little bit here. We'll get things started. Good morning, Bradley. How are you, uh, my friend? How are things going? Michael, I'm doing great today. I'm visiting my mother, and uh, it's a nice day in Illinois, so I decided to do this outside. Yeah, no, gorgeous out there. Gorgeous out there. The humidity, not too bad, I'm assuming? Humidity's up a little bit, but I've got a fan overhead, so I'm, uh, okay. I'm sort of shedding that off. Only in Illinois could you have to put a fan outside overhead to uh, stay cool <laughs> and it's uh, ready to go. Um, all right, so you are all ready for uh, you all ready to do this thing, huh? You get the, I am get the I weekly am. top three, and, and you haven't been blown away. So uh, no, so you're, no. I, although it woke me up, Adam, I was just I was sleeping. I had just fallen asleep, and. Uh, I don't know, the windows in the house like rattled and the whole thing and the house moaned. And I went, what? Is it and, a- and, and Terry checked first that it wasn't you snoring before she. Yeah, exactly. Uh, before she- well, she luckily, I mean, I went to bed early last night. I went to bed all by my lonesome. So it was uh, it was quiet in the room. But um, all right. Uh, if you uh, are all ready to go, any comment here on uh, we got 60 seconds. Any comment on Dunleavy's uh, stealth campaign tactic there of just uh, we're just not going to do your pitiful little peasant type questionnaires. You know, you know, Walker later in the day announced the same thing that he wasn't going to answer the uh, the the Beacon questionnaire uh, either. So it seems to be a seems to be a thing now. It's seems a trend. To... It's trending. Hashtag trending. <laughs> none of those existing, none of those former governors that have records want to talk, want to want to answer questions. 
Well, it's uh, it's interesting to say the least that uh, apparently they don't feel a need to be accountable to the uh, folks out there, I guess, is the bottom line on that. And, and the Beacon went through this whole process of developing the questions. I mean, they really crowdsourced the questions. So. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, jump back into it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share. Like and follow. Let's get this going on. Here we here we go. All right, welcome back to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show, broadcasting live across the uh, state of Alaska and on the internet as well. You can find us at michaeldukeshow.com, or you can join the simulcast, which is available over on Facebook or YouTube or Twitch or wherever. It's the weekly top three Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets founder and director Brad Keithley joins us this morning to discuss this from an, an undisclosed secret location somewhere in Illinois where he's enjoying the outdoor <laughs> weather. Uh, he joins us now. Good morning, my friend. How are you, Michael? I'm doing great today. Uh, it, it's it's good to good to be with you and good to be outside. Yeah, it is. It's beautiful. Beautiful. It's actually it's beautiful out here this morning. If I had the studio outside, I'd be fine. Except for in January, it would not be so great. So, it's okay. <laughs> well, uh, it's, January here is a little cool. Yeah, too, exactly. So. Um, well, let's. Uh, you know, Brad, I want to talk about the weekly top three. The first thing we're going to talk about is some of the emergent issues. Uh, coming uh, out of the, uh, you know, for the legislative races and, and what things that are going to be really hot button issues for the legislature in the upcoming session. But I did want to get your hot take and you just gave us a little bit of it here um, on this kind of, I, I, I mean, I would almost say disdainful uh, reaction from some of the campaigns on answering um, these questionnaires. I mean, the public wants to be informed. The public wants to know about certain things. And, uh, you know, the, the, the governor, uh, came out and basically said, no, I'm not going to answer you peasants. I'm not going to answer your questions. And then Walker came out, you said, later and did the same thing, uh, basically saying that they weren't going to answer questionnaires. Um, they said that they would do interviews in lieu of that. I mean, I mean, I don't know. They just don't want to go on written record? or I mean, what's your thoughts on this real quickly as we look at the emergent issues coming up? Well, I think there's a couple of things about that. One, the Beacon had gone to gone to great lengths to sort of crowdsource the questions um, and get input from readers and from from those who are interested in these sorts of things uh, to, to develop the question. So it's not the governor and Walker aren't just rejecting questions from uh, th that the editors of the Beacon came up with or rejecting questions that, frankly, Alaskans came up with. And I find that I find that a little bit troubling. The other thing is I, I just I interviews the governor has got this art down of not really answering questions during interviews um and he sort of slides around and, and goes on to to different things it's harder to do that in a questionnaire and and questionnaires tend to live on longer answers to questionnaires tend to live on longer so i think i think the governor's concerned about and walker uh frankly are concerned about getting tied down uh with more specific with more specific answers than maybe uh Maybe they want to. So it's disappointing. I mean, I, I I look at the questionnaires and I look at the answers and I, you know, gave a few ideas to the beacon on what uh, what should be included in the questions and 
and and a lot of others did as well. So yeah, uh, it's well, and it wasn't We're just see the answers. To yeah, it wasn't just the Beacon; it was the ADN one as well. So it wasn't like it was just a single outlet that they said no. They basically said nope. We're not answering any questionnaires. Um, so I mean, it wasn't just just the Beacon; it was a, a lot more. So. But like you said, I think part of it is that they just don't want any of that stuff on the more permanent record. Easy to spin stuff when it's like, oh, I misspoke or I did this. But when you write an answer out, it's forever. You know, it's kind of clear there. Well, and, and on a question in an interview, you can you can run the clock out, right? You can talk about sort of you right, know, right. you want to for a while and, and run the clock out on a questionnaire. It's really obvious when you're trying to ignore the question. So it's um, I, I think it's they're, they're just trying to trying to avoid being specific. And I. You know, and it's not just the governor; it's it's Walker as well, who's uh, who's announced that they're not going to respond to the questionnaires. Right, right. All right. Well, let's dive into the emergent issues um, for the upcoming, not just the legislative uh, races, but for the actual session. Um, we've got a few here, mostly talking about education and teachers and local governments uh, being financed by state government as well. Let's break that down. Well, you can already see the the the, the fiscal questions or the the funding questions starting to develop uh, uh, in the in the press. Uh, uh, the Alaska uh, Beacon uh, picked up by uh, the public media and Alaska Public Media and others uh, had a headline that says "Weeks from Restarting Schools Across Alaska Are Struggling to Find Teachers" and goes on and talks about. Uh, the difficulty is not only uh, in the bush, but also in some of the urban areas in finding teachers. And then another headline says almost one in five Alaska state jobs is vacant as agencies struggle to hire uh, and retain uh, employees. And then another headline is uh, in connection with uh, Dunleavy signing a bill uh, uh, to uh, increase uh, the power subsidy when you dig down through the uh, uh, through the through the article, it says at the end, um, the endowment also funds the 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 PCE endowment also funds community assistance grants and grants for renewable energy projects. Legislators were warned this spring that increasing spending on PCE may mean insufficient funds uh, for uh, the, those other programs. And then goes on with a quote from Nils Andreasen, the uh, the AML uh, executive director, talking about how. Uh, uh, we're going to need to address this shortfall, what's now going to be called a shortfall in funds for uh, for local government as a result of increasing the PCE uh, uh, rates uh, uh, as a result of, of the last legislation. So you sort of take, you sort of start seeing this trend, right? You start seeing uh, teachers are in trouble. We're having trouble retaining teachers. And when you get into the article, uh, it starts talking about the lack of a retirement plan and how that puts Alaska at a disadvantage compared to other states uh, in attracting and retaining uh, teachers. And it talks about other issues as well, but but the lack of a retirement plan is is one of those. You get over to uh, the, uh, the the one in five employees that we or one in five positions in state government are are uh, are are open. Uh, uh, people were searching for uh, state employees. And again, the article, when you get into the article, is talking about lack of compensation or or non-competitive compensation and lack of a retirement 
uh, with respect well, and I want employees. I want to be real clear on this. They have a retirement plan. It's just a tier four defined contribution plan, and it's not the gold plated defined benefits program tier one through three that we'd had in the past. And so they're saying, oh, well, now we don't have a retirement. That's bullcrap. You have a retirement plan. It's a defined contribution plan, just like most everybody else in the world has. Just because it's not gold plated doesn't mean. I mean, that just pisses me off. I'll be honest with you. Well, but they talk about it in terms of not being competitive with others with other states and and the defined uh, 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 contribution plans that other uh, or defined benefit plans that uh, that other states have, and then you get over to you know the the article on the PCE and that and and local government saying that you know the PC the PCE is great uh, glad we did that but now we need more funding in here to cover our grant community grants and. Uh, uh, and our renewable energy projects. So you can see this sort of drum roll picking up uh, and starting to uh, starting to, to to expand about things that that people are going to argue we need to be doing uh, in the next session. You can see candidates, uh, Cliff Grove, for example, picked up on uh, picked up on the lack of state employees and or or the or the open slots and state employees and on the. Uh, uh, and on the uh, uh, teachers and said, oh, we got to we've got to address this. And Andy, Andy Josephson has talked about has talked about those issues as well as I'm as, a, as well as I'm sure other candidates have. So we're already seeing a building a building effort uh, to try to pitch these things as uh, as you know, we're going to need additional state funding as we come into the uh, for to cover these uh, deficiencies, cover these uh, lack of competitiveness. As we come uh, as we come into the next session. Now, I will say this: when I look at other states, they have some of the same issues. It's not it's not as simple as Alaska is standing out as as you know as as, as something. It's something not an special. outlier, right? It's not right, an, an outlier. outlier. Yeah, uh, uh, having trouble attracting employees. Uh, it's happening in uh, in other states as well. And it's part of the phenomena that we're going through about tight labor markets in general. I mean, you see state employees <clears throat> moving to the private sector or people in the private sector not moving to state employment, that back and forth uh, that you normally see, you're seeing that in other states as well. Now, perhaps Alaska has a more, um, we've always had trouble with teachers. I mean, part of, a big part of that is the remoteness, but perhaps Alaska is toward the edge but I, but this isn't a situation where Alaska is unique and standing alone, and other states are you're, you know in an entirely different entirely different universe. It's it's a continuum uh, across across a, a number of states, if not all the states. So it's not we're not we shouldn't swallow hook, line, and sinker. Oh my gosh, we're not competitive. We're going to have to do these things uh, to keep up with the uh, keep up with the Joneses. We need to look at this in a in a bigger context. Is there is there a, an issue going on in, with government in general? Is that a permanent issue or is that a temporary issue? Is the function of the tight labor markets as labor markets uh, loosen up? Are we going to see a, a you know a swing back to the uh, to to traditional uh, to the traditional uh, 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 job movement between between government and the private sector and the traditional ability of state government to attract? Um, it, we shouldn't just hollow, swallow hook, line, and sinker. Sinker. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, Alaska's got specific problems, and we need to just throw a bunch of money at it to uh, to address those problems. We need to look at it in a much broader context, and we need to not run, as you and I often talk about on this show. We need to not run to the other side of the boat 
and all of a sudden you get locked into a bunch of long-term uh, uh, retirement programs or increased compensation programs if this is a situation that's going to you know work itself out uh, in a couple of years. Well, and, and I think we're also missing this, that this may be a great opportunity. I mean, if we have one in five state jobs are vacant and the state's still doing the job that needs to be done, uh, we've talked a lot about, uh, you know, shadow positions and things like that, vacant but funded positions. That's been going on in the state for years. I mean, at one point, Tammy Wilson had a count of over 2,000 jobs in the state that were funded but not filled and hadn't been filled for quite some time. So we may have an opportunity here maybe to save some money uh, and do some things like that by simply defunding a lot of these positions if the state's still getting the job done. Um, I mean, I look at this and I, I I read this article and I thought this is a lot of uh, the sky is falling kind of stuff, as you said. And it's like a cry for what we really need is a defined benefits program. And that will, of course, attract everybody to us and, of course, lock us in for billions and billions of dollars in unfunded liabilities down the road in the future. Um, I, I refuse to see it that way. I see this as an opportunity to, uh, you know, to cut into, to cut into, to go, cut into government and to make us more efficient by eliminating those positions that aren't filled at this point. Well, it's a, it will be a debate topic, certainly, uh, in the next legislature. Certainly, certainly those in the Southeast, uh, uh, Juneau and elsewhere down in the Southeast, up in Fairbanks around the university, uh, and elsewhere where they have high government employment levels, uh, they see it as a problem uh, and will be pushing for, and they and they see money as the solution to the problem, and will be pushing for uh, additional funding for those. I think you're right. I think the counter to that is looking at it as an opportunity for uh, for increased uh, increased efficiencies, but it's certainly going to be a, an, an issue that comes up uh, in the next legislative cycle, and uh, and candidates are certainly uh, it'd be it'd be useful. Uh, for uh, uh, voters to question their candidates about how they feel about those issues going in, because that, those are going to be issues that hit uh, uh, hit them right out of the gate when they get down to Juno. And uh, and of course, going back to the PCE um, and that discussion, I mean, this is the problem. Um, uh, you know where. We've lost this. We've lost sight of what the PCE was originally supposed to be. It was supposed to be an endowment to help create infrastructure, not to create a subsidy farm for communities where they just continually pay it. I mean, we're supposed to we were supposed to build some infrastructure to make it cheaper for them, right? I mean, that was the whole point. And now we're using it for things that it, it probably was never really intended for to begin with, and we're crying about it. You're, we're seeing we're seeing Lyman at work. So. Few years ago, PCE was building up, building up, building up a surplus, and Lyman and and you know people were starting to talk about you know, taking that surplus and using it for for other things or or reducing the funding going to PCE. So what Lyman did was expand PCE to include these community assistance programs programs, and what that did was you know bring bring on board another special interest to help support keeping PCE. Right, uh, uh, going, and we saw that when when Dunleavy tried to defund PCE, we saw the community grant sure uh, uh, community come out to help. Uh, Wait, they help created a de- they created a dependency, and then those people who were dependent came in. I mean, tell me that that oh, that would never happen, Brad. They created a dependency, and now they're, so, so now they're defending it. Right. So what's happened now is Lyman got an increase to the PCE as as energy costs have gone up. Lyman's gotten an increase to the PCE uh, uh, payments. Succeeded in in doing that for the bush, 
But the other side of that, uh, now the community assistance side, having having now tasted the the, the expanded uh, uh, pot of money there for them, uh, are, are now they're concerned that they're right. going to get squeezed out. So now they're going to push for more funding in it. It it, it is it it th- this is Lyman at work. You know, if you study how this is all developed, you can see how Lyman really has developed some of these. Uh, some of these uh, uh, pots of money and special interests that, that have gone on or, or been developed over time. Give me a quick tease on number two, and I guess number three, because we can kind of do them together in the next segment. Give me a, give me a shot here. So number two is uh, there's, a, there's a new Wood McKenzie study. Wood McKenzie is a great uh, uh, industry, oil industry analyst, energy industry analyst. They've come out with a brand, a brand new study talking about the new uh, super energy, energy basins, not just oil basins anymore, but super energy basins in analyzing where they think the oil industry uh, is going and, and where they think there's going to be advantages in terms of attracting investment going forward. Alaska didn't do very well uh, in, uh, in that ranking, and, uh, and we'll talk about that uh, in the second segment. Brad Keithley is our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're going to be back here in just a moment. We'll continue with him. And have more discussions. Don't go anywhere. It is the Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. The weekly top three continues right after these messages. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like... America used to be streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, <clears throat> Brad, can you hear the bumper music when I play it? You can hear everything. Yes. Okay, I was just curious. Uh, did, I, did I run into it? No, no, I was just curious um, if you could. I, I thought you could, but I never really confirmed with you that that was it was a technical issue. But it's good. <laughs> Um, all right. Uh, the entire labor market is dorked right now. The state is just using this opportunity to exploit, says Chris on Twitch. I mean, that's my point of this as well, because this is a problem that's nationwide. And the the poor, poor, pitiful me kind of uh, poor mouth uh, retirement thing. I, obviously, it's a hot button thing for me because I've seen this for years. But that is the thing. We have no retirement. That's a bunch of pushwaw. They've just got a retirement that they don't like. They want the gold-plated Tier 1. That's what they keep trying to bring back is the Tier 1 retirement, which is full defined benefits, which put us into the hole for $12 billion in unfunded liability before, if you'll recall. Um, And so I just find this to be a whole lot of – Whining, I think, is what I, the word that I'm looking at right now is whining, um, and and uh, yeah, it, it is. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough to be competitive, but uh, that's what's going on these days for every. I mean, everybody is short. The labor market is is in a hot mess. It is a hot mess from COVID. Uh, people rearranging their priorities. People like, but you know, some people just not even wanting to work in their fields anymore. I mean, it was a it's a full on change. Yep. I, I if you watch the national numbers. Uh, un- unemployment or employment numbers are recovering in almost every sector uh, throughout the nation, except for state and local employees. And there's been some people who have dug into 
uh, dug into uh, uh, those numbers, and and it's as I was trying to say during the during the main segment, the 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 movement back and forth between the private sector and the and the state and local government sector isn't functioning right now. Uh, there's been an outflow from state and local government. I mean, a lot of a lot of people cite the stress of COVID and what state employees came under during COVID, and and the you know work from home. Uh, flexibility of a lot of private sector employees, and there's a there's a bunch of other a uh, bunch of other criteria, a uh, bunch of other factors at work, but it's not it's not working right now. And the question question nationwide is whether it's broken permanently or or it's uh, it's going through a temporary a temporary issue. And the, the and the consensus seems to be that it's going through a temporary uh, a temporary glitch um, uh, as the employment market generally sort of works through works through the the issues that it has. So um, I, I just, what, what, what I would not want to see us do in Alaska, and I think you're exactly right, this may be an opportunity to look at the efficiencies um, of, of how we uh, employ people in state government. But what, what we should not do is just run to the other side of the boat and say, oh my God, the sky is falling. We need to do all these things in Alaska. When in fact, this is a nationwide phenomena that's going on. Alaska right. is, is part of that. And we need to consider you know whether it, as people are considering nationwide whether it's a it's a temporary situation that we should not enter into long-term solutions for you know substantially increasing the, the pay scale uh substantially expanding uh, uh uh retirement benefits that we should not enter into long-term sol- solutions for because it's just going to be a temporary a temporary uh, glitch that's that the market's going through. Chris asks, he said, I would add the question, how does 10% inflation fit into all this? Because that's a, so, I mean, in your mind, I think it's a kind of a separate issue, but it is an, it is an exacerbator. I mean, it does cause even more problems on top of that, Brad. Well, the private market seems to be responding faster. I mean, that's, that's another re, uh, uh, reason that, that people cite the private market seems to be responding factor faster to uh, wage increases to account for inflation uh, than state and local government does. I suspect we'll hear about that next session uh, as uh, as 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 the employee unions and, and employees generally argue for uh, uh, pay uh, pay increases on the state side, on the on the government side. Um, so it factors in uh, that way. Uh, it may factor in uh, other ways as well. But that's that's one uh, factor that people have cited for uh, for this nationwide issue about state and local employees. Of course, the irony of this whole situation is that state employees have been getting bumps and raises and colas and step increases for years while the rest of the uh, while the rest of the private uh, market has been pretty much stagnant. So, but we'll forget about that. You know, we'll say now that inflation's hit, we've got to get our piece of the pie too. Uh it's <clears throat> the whole thing I, is infuriating. Yeah, I just don't want us to feel I I just don't want to feel that this is us to feel this is an Alaska only Alaska centric problem that we need to solve you know, by just starting to throw money at it. We right. need to look at this. We need to look at this in the bigger context. And candidates, candidates who say, "Oh my gosh, we got to just immediately start doing all this stuff. We got to do defined benefits. We've got to we've got to expand payroll and don't talk about it as a national phenomena and a national national issue." Candidates who uh, who who don't understand that total context, I think, are 
candidates that you that you may want to be concerned about because I don't think they're thinking about the bigger picture. Brad Keithley is our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Please like and share this video. Like and follow the show page. Let's get back into it and uh, get things ready to rock and roll. Uh, please uh, don't forget to subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube as well. Still looking for a thousand subscribers over there. Here we go. All right, we're continuing now. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, the weekly top three. Number two, uh, well, and number three, but number two specifically has to do with the new Woods-McKenzie report and what uh, what Alaska, the North Slope's place is in the evolving oil world. Brad, uh, give us uh, some rundown here. So the Wood-McKenzie report, for those, for those who are interested in the oil industry overall and where the oil industry is headed, uh, the Wood McKenzie Report is an excellent read uh, uh, from that standpoint. It's available on the Wood McKenzie uh, website. Uh, basically, what their thesis is, is the oil industry is evolving into not just oil super centers, super regions, but energy super regions. And, and, they, and they define that difference as an energy super region having the ability to do two things in addition to just produce oil. One is to run that oil, energize, to run the the machinery, the equipment, the the operations to produce that oil with renewable energy, not using hydrocarbon energy to produce that and and reducing the emissions uh, from from oil production as a result of that. The second is carbon uh, uh, capture and storage, having carbon capture and storage available so that you can take the carbon that's that's produced, uh, uh, generated in the course of hydrocarbon production, and stick that in the ground and reduce the emissions from uh, oil production that way as well. And they define the new energy supercenters or the new energy super basins as those that have not only oil production capability, but also have the ability to have renewable energy to run the operations and CCS carbon capture and storage. Uh, to be able to uh, uh, reduce the emissions and, and and capture some of the carbon produced, this is the this is the Wood McKenzie report. Let me read just a little bit of it. Some of the traditional super basins are not well placed for a sustainable future. Their paucity of renewables and limited CCS potential will cause investment to fall and the corporate landscape to shrink, uh, especially under the the 1.5 degree uh, uh, increase scenario. Larger disadvantage examples, disadvantage basin examples include West Siberia, most other Russian basins, Venezuela, Alaska, and parts of Central Asia. Here, the high cost of renewables and or limited access to these technologies are the main problems. Disadvantaged basins face a flight of capital and a product that is harder to sell as consumers increasingly shun high carbon options. The leading international oil companies will be among the first investors to leave. Think about uh, BP uh, leaving uh, Prudhoe. Some national oil companies and private firms with less on- onerous emissions targets, think Hillcorp, uh, will be, may be happy to pick up any opportunities left behind, but the writing is on the wall. All companies must eventually back away from higher carbon resources. 
here's the here's the next piece to keep in mind. Host governments may try a different uh, uh, a range of different incentives in a bid to stem the tide. Fiscal terms, regulation, and policy must all work to optimize the integration of upstream CCS and renewables as far as possible. But unless governments can address the underlying issues, they will face growing political and social resistance to any attempts to prolong the life of high carbon basins. So I think I think what this is telling us is, I mean, what it's clearly telling us by, by mentioning Alaska and the Alaska North Slope uh, is that is that we've got a challenge up on the up on the North Slope as the oil industry evolves to focus on these other opportunities, these super basins that have the ability of not only producing oil, but producing it with much lower carbon emissions through the use of renewables to energize their activities and through the use of CCS to 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 get away with uh, or to put away their the hydrocarbon production or the carbon production um, as the oil industry involves in that direction investment will go in that direction and investment uh, will flee uh, uh, the regions that don't have that potential. Um, the Alaska North Slope has historically been found or had had a reputation as being a fairly low carbon emissions uh, operation. But what, what Wood McKenzie is pointing out is other regions that are higher carbon emissions op, uh, uh, regions that have that have ranked behind ANS or Alaska North Slope in that are are focusing on using renewables to generate their uh, their energy for the fields and on CCS to be able to reduce their emissions uh, footprint. And and while Alaska is fairly low now re- relative to the others, as the others use renewables and CCS to lower their carbon footprint, Alaska will sort of bounce up to 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 the higher end of the spectrum right and 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 not be viewed as as being attractive for investment as a result of that and we normally we don't have ccs on the north slope right now it's not something that's built into those plans up there we have so we can't recapture natural gas and re-inject it into the uh into the basins but we don't have just pure carbon uh uh, uh injection up there there's been a lot of talk about the cook inlet having great ccs potential having great uh uh geologic structures to be able to to do carbon capture and sequestration but but as we know the cook inlet's a long way away from the alaska north slope and to be able to take advantage of that you'd have to run a, a carbon pipeline down from the slope down to down to the cook inlet to be able to uh, to take advantage of that so we don't we have as i say we re-inject natural gas we don't have natural gas flaring problems like they do uh, elsewhere for example Permian and 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 uh, and the Williston basins, uh, but we don't capture. We're, we're not. We don't have the ability, or we haven't developed the ability to have major uh, carbon capture uh, uh, beyond that. Just under three minutes now, we can tackle into number three, which is some good news on Willow. If you can give it to us quickly here. Yep, absolutely. So we've talked about the Willow project, Conoco's Willow project. Uh, the challenge has been the BLM, uh, the Bureau of Land Management. The courts bounced back. The environmental impact statement uh, said that uh, BLM had to do an additional study. B- BLM came up with the additional study. They came up with this new alternative. And what we talked about, I think, on the last segment or the segment before that was whether that alternative was going to be attractive that BLM came up with to meet the court's direction, whether that was going to be attractive enough to Conoco to continue the investment. Good news. Conoco's uh, recently came out with an announcement that said the new, this is Conoco speaking, the new alternative. Alternative E developed by BLM and cooperating agencies responds 
to the Alaska District Court order and presents a good path forward, Conoco's words, good path forward for the Willow Project. So the concern about whether or not the BLM sort of reining in the the uh, the alternative that had been approved in the last round, reining that in with alternative E, uh, whether that was going to produce an economic project, the good news seems to be that Conoco is signaling uh, that uh, that they're comfortable with that. And generally speaking, we haven't seen the terms and conditions and the limitations that the BLM may put on it. But generally speaking, it seems that we're still headed in the right direction with the Willow project. That's good news because Willow is one of the one of the two big projects up there that we need to see go forward. Uh, final minute here, Brad, I'll let you uh, summate on everything and anything else you got on your mind here real quick. Well, I think I think that I think that combining two and three, I think we, near term, it looks like Willow's going forward. So near term, that project is going forward. PICA, I continue to be concerned about. We still haven't seen the financing for PICA. Uh, and long term, I think the Wood McKenzie report says that we're that we're Alaska is going to continue to face challenges uh, long term. And we may see we may see the oil industry like the teachers and others coming in and saying, oh, my gosh, you know, we're going to be challenged. We're going to need some some different financial terms here. So we're not out of the woods by any stretch of the imagination. Willow's good news. PICA, if we can find some funding, will be good news. But longer term, we're still uh, still in a challenged environment. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate you coming on board and joining us. We look forward to talking to you again next week. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. Folks, we're out of time for this hour. If you got to go, be kind, love one another, live well. Otherwise, hour two dead ahead. Chris Story, our guest, The Michael Duke Show. Uh, Brad Keithley, uh, final thoughts here um, uh, on this. I don't think the oil companies are struggling. I think the oil companies are looking for uh, any help that they can get. I mean, these are for-profit entities, and anything they can do to make their facilities or their developments more profitable makes sense to them. And this is just another reason why they can now come to you and say, hey, we need uh, we need a little bit more. We need better deals. If we're going to stick around, we need better deals. Is that Am I reading this right, Brad? You're reading it right, Michael. And I think I think we're going to what Alaska needs to ask if 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 we're approached again about uh, about needing um, better terms, <laughs> better, better terms, yeah. needing, needing better fiscal terms. We need to be talking about investment. Can you guarantee us? I mean, in, if if we even think about that, can you guarantee long term investment? Because it may be that, you know, aside from Willow and Pika, we're entering into harvest mode here, which is the gradual decline uh, down uh, uh, down as as Alaska fails to attract additional investment, um, and and you know the gradual uh, uh, fall in uh, in Alaska production. We may be we may be entering that. If we are, that's one thing to think about in fiscal in terms of fiscal terms. If we're if we're gonna you know if we're in decline. Uh, maybe the fiscal terms need to change to allow the state to have have more of the of of, of what's uh, of, of what's being taken in of the revenue. Um, but if we start talking about you know as the as the as the Wood McKenzie study uh, suggests, uh, if in these in these challenged basins, uh, the producers start talking about host governments trying to make life easier, trying to extend the life of the fields, uh, that's going to need to be a hard discussion about show us the money. Show us the investment. Show us, show us that you're willing to step up and sort of, you know, run counter to 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 what Wood McKenzie's saying that you're willing to make the investment in 
perhaps developing renewables to the extent they can be on the slope, uh, engaging in CCS, uh, finding CCS opportunities to the extent we can uh, can on the slope. Show us that you're willing to, to make Alaska one of these super energy basins, one of the, 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 uh, the, the, the surviving uh, energy basins um, uh, before we start talking about or as as we start talking about uh, additional fiscal terms. I, and I think that's uh, I mean, I think that's important to understand that we can't just be like, oh, let us bend over backwards for you, uh, oil industry, because, again, you've been utilizing us as a land bank for years. You know, we have been a stable, geopolitically stable, um, uh, you know, <clears throat> uh, bastion for them for many, many years. And just to look to them and go, well, you know, what have you done for us lately? We need if we even consider new fiscal terms, we definitely need some concessions that say, okay, well, then you're going to invest in us here, or there will be ramifications for uh, for what you're doing. Well, and it's not, I mean, if, if they're going into harvest mode, that means there's 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 not investment. That means there's there's not uh, uh, additional uh, development going on. They're just going to ride out the revenue. And and frankly, you know, uh, regions that are in harvest mode, governments that are that are that have regions that are in harvest mode, they frankly ramp ramp up the share of revenue that uh, that they take because you because you don't need to maintain fiscal terms that attract additional investment if you're if you've gone into gone into harvest mode. So it's what Wood McKenzie is telling us is we're coming up on a discussion. And I think Alaska needs to understand that we're coming up on that discussion. And I need, and I think we need to think about what kind of discussion, uh, what kind of discussion that's going to be. If we want to survive, if we want to, you know, uh, uh, be a be a con- continue to be a, a player in in terms of one of the surviving energy super basins. Uh, if we need to, you know, change things, then we need to make sure that the industry is making the investment necessary for us to be one of those survivors survivors is an energy super basin. Uh, what are you looking at here coming up here, Brad? What what do you keep an eye on? Is this election time? Are you watching the candidates? What's going on here? We got about two and a half minutes. Yeah, I wrote a piece in uh in the landmine. My piece last week in the landmine was uh the most important fiscal issue uh the candidates ought to be talking about. And it talks and it talks about how they're gonna pay that we're going to go back into deficits. Uh, if you look at the 10-year plan, if you look at uh, the effects of of declining oil prices as the future price future markets tell us we're going to have declining oil prices as you look at the impact of inflation on spending levels uh, we're going to go back into deficits in a few years and the question is question is what it, it, what a candidate what are candidates saying about how they're going to deal with those deficits not only not only in terms of the big picture things but but who's going to pay how are they going to pay? Uh, for those deficits, if they want to maintain government, is it going to be through additional PFD cuts? Is it going to be through more equitable taxes, more e- equitable revenue measures? And what I'm really looking at over the course of the campaigns is what people are saying about that issue. And and I'm really trying to dig in to understand uh, how candidates are, are addressing that issue. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Well, it's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting campaign season. We've had some new candidates uh, here in the last few days. In fact, this week is pretty full of new candidates. I think we have an opportunity here, Brad, to see a full change uh, in the legislature coming forward. Um, I think that there's a lot of frustration with some of the uh, 
previous incumbencies, and I think that this is a good opportunity for us to do it. Uh, some good challengers all the way across the board. So we'll see if we can change out some of the players, uh, and if we can do that, maybe we can, one, find efficiencies, like we talked about in number one, with some of these things in state government, and maybe we don't have to look at new revenues in the long run. Uh, but we do have to pull the state spending under control if we have any hope of not having to generate new revenues or take a PFD or anything else. Well, Michael, it's it's going to be a challenge. I mean, it's going to be a challenge to uh, to 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 not have to address revenues uh, going forward. When you look at where the oil futures market tells us oil prices are going, when you look at the production curve, when you look at uh, at uh, at spending levels, I mean, we went through this in 2019. We say that we want to cut spending, but when we when we get up to the to the to the to the crunch point, uh, people don't uh, don't back up the don't back up that mantra. So, all right, um, Brad. Thank you so much for coming on board, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, folks. We're up against it. Hour two, dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show. Buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Around the world, on the internet, and across the state of Alaska, on this, your favorite radio station, and or FM translator, it is The Michael Duke Show. Hello, and good morning, my friends. How are you? Uh, uh, are you uh, you ready to face this beautiful, beautiful day? Huge windstorms across the state last night. Uh, some people have been without power and are just getting back online. Uh, I made the cautionary statement earlier that if for some reason I just go off the air, that it's probably because the uh, <laughs> probably because the wind knocked out the power here uh, at the old uh, radio ranch. But uh, it is uh, it is another beautiful day. I see nothing but blue skies outside, and we are ready to rock and roll. We just finished up with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets talking about the weekly top three, a good discussion and a deep dive into uh, uh, the big issues facing the legislature and oil and gas news coming up um, here in the near future. So we look forward to uh, we look forward to uh, having further discussions on this as well. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's see what else, what else do I got going on here this morning? Well, I suppose we can talk a little bit here about, uh, some of the electoral stuff, notes from the trail, so to speak, and other, um, uh, endorsements and things that have come forward. We'll revisit that a little bit. And then coming up in the second segment of the show this morning, Chris Story will be joining us, uh, for our weekly Uplift, our life coaching lesson, which is, as I said earlier, more for me than for any of you. I need that uh, every week uh, to uh, I need I needed to to 
to make sure that I'm uh, that my head is right. My head is right. That is for sure. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be coming up with Chris Story. Also this week we've got a lot of things going on tomorrow on the program. Uh, Mike Shower will be joining us for hour two, working on another guest for uh, for the earlier part of the show tomorrow. Mike Shower will be in hour two, and on Thursday we'll be joined by Benjamin Vincent, uh, who is running against Louise Stutes, and Heath Smith, who is running against Gary Stevens. So very much a Kodiak centric show tomorrow with the candidates from those areas coming in to talk with us about their runs against the incumbent uh, incumbents and uh, it should be a, it should be a, a, a pretty good show hopefully I'm trying to I'm trying to pack as much in here as I can before we get to the primaries now generally speaking for a lot of the legislative races the primaries don't really mean anything at this point in fact for all but for 58 of the 59 races the primary means literally nothing because every uh, candidate is going to progress into the general election with ranked choice voting, um, but uh, we'll we'll have some discussions on that, and uh, uh, you know at least at least we'll get some of the information uh, ahead and early, and we'll be ready to uh, to dive into this. Um, all right, so our uh, our two here, and uh, we're going to get into the discussions about. Um, the candidates and who's endorsing who and who's got the nod and all that kind of stuff. I find it really interesting to see who is um, who is who is who's getting the 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 nods and who is not. Um, the big news that came down yesterday was that uh, uh, was that uh, Senator Laura Reinbold has now endorsed uh, Charlie Pierce for governor as a strong conservative candidate, and she's announced her endorsement for the uh, Pearson-Grunewald ticket for governor, as well as uh, Andy Kreiner, who is the owner of Kreiner's Diner. You'll remember them. They were the ones that were battling it out with Mayor Berkowitz over the shutdowns of the businesses during the COVID pandemic. And so a couple good conservative voices that I think will get some well-deserved name recognition for... um, for Charlie Pierce in the upcoming uh, in the upcoming election, and I hope it's enough to get to, to get them squared away on this. Other endorsements came around as well. State Senator Mike Shower now being endorsed by uh, Mayor Dave Bronson, another uh, uh, iconoclast, uh, you know, conservative out there. He reserved. He had also received uh, Mike Shower also received the endorsement of the Alaska Republican Party's State Central Committee on the meeting on Saturday. And so a lot of uh, a lot of endorsements flying around here over the last couple of weeks. And finally, also coming out of the State Central Committee uh, were some other endorsements and a censure. Um, so uh, Joe Wright, who is a candidate for Senate Seat L... Um, received the party's overwhelming endorsement. Now, that was the seat that was vacated by Laura Reinbold. Um, And so Joe Wright has received that endorsement. Ken McCarty, Representative Ken McCarty, 
and Representative Kelly Merrick, neither one of those received the endorsement for that seat. Uh, And in fact, Representative Merrick was, again, censured by the Alaska Republican Party for caucusing with the democratically controlled majority in the House. She's now running for Senate, but uh, for the second time in uh, just the past year, uh, her behavior has cost her the support of the party who voted heavily in favor of her censure. Uh, the first time that they voted for censure was last year uh, when she was uh, in the uh, the House. Uh, Elijah Verhagen uh, received the endorsement for state Senate in Fairbanks for the, I think it's Senate seat R now, which was Senate seat B. Uh, the uh, incumbent Click Bishop did not receive an endorsement at all. Party endorsed Mia Costello of Anchorage, who's facing off against Democrat Matt Clayman. And then Tuckerman Babcock, running for the Senate in the Kenai, was endorsed by the party. But his Republican opponent, Jesse Bjorkman, was not. And finally, Heath Smith of Homer was endorsed for the Senate, uh, but the incumbent, Gary Stevens, was not. Heath Smith, again, is going to be... Uh, uh, Heath Smith is going to be uh, joining us on the program on Thursday to talk about his run uh, for the state Senate. Uh, and I'm pleased to say that uh, that it seemed like most of the good old boys club that are there in the legislature has got some serious competition. The only one that uh, doesn't seem to be facing um, a, a real strong candidate is Bert Stedman. Uh, Mike Sheldon is his is his opponent. Um, and I like a lot of Mike's ideas, but I don't think that he has the <clears> – <throat> he's a perennial candidate, and I think that's problematic to begin with. Like I said, I like Mike, and I like a lot of his positions, but as a perennial candidate, it makes it difficult to try and fight against um, – the uh, business as usual crowd, but every other major player and what we would consider to be the good old boys club, um, the Gary Stevenses, the Click Bishops of the world, uh, the Louis Stutzers, they are facing um, they are facing some challengers, and I think that that is a and and I think that's a good thing. I think good solid challengers, um, and uh, I I would I would love to see it. I you know I would love to see some support for Sheldon down there in the uh, Sitka area. As well, uh, I wish um, I wish he had a little bit more of a <clears throat> organized machine behind him, so to speak. Uh, in those ways, it would be a good thing to uh, a good thing to do. One of the ones that did not get the thumbs up, so to speak, the endorsement of the uh, uh, of the state central committee for the Republican Party was gubernatorial candidate Christopher Kirka, who had petitioned for that. Uh, he's running to the right of the governor, and he requested the endorsement through his supporters. Um, he um, was not able to get uh, that endorsement, and then presented a, then put out a scathing letter <clears throat> shortly, uh, shortly after this came out yesterday, dropped into my mailbox, and uh, from uh, uh, from uh, the Kirka party. And it says, uh, gubernatorial candidate Christopher Kirk called out the Republican State Central Committee today for rigging the process against non-establishment candidates. Although, I mean, I think that that is directly opposite of because they didn't endorse Stevens. They didn't endorse Kelly Merrick. They didn't endorse Click Bishop. The, they, they, I mean, there's a lot of business as usual good old boys that did not get the endorsement. Uh, but he said, rigging against the process against non-establishment candidates after a vote over the weekend to deny him the official party endorsement. 
Sarah Palin was right, Kirker said. The Republican Party leadership really is a good old boys club. The process is rigged. The message from the Alaska Republican Party is clear. Conservatives need not apply. He... He says, there's no question in my mind why this decision was made. I was deemed too conservative and therefore a threat to the establishment's alliances with favored special interests. Big government Republicans and the crony capitalist cabal who run the state, I don't pass their impurity test. They don't want a governor who actually intends to act conserv- enact conservative policy, hold legislators accountable, fight the globalist agenda, and represent this people in the state. Um, <clears throat> I mean, it... it <sighs> No, I mean, I, I really, I really think, I really, I really think, quite honestly, that this has to do more with personalities than with anything else. Um, the kind of the scorched earth policy that Kirka and some of his allies have taken uh, in people that he doesn't agree with or don't agree with him um, is uh, is I think part of the problem. Uh, I think that there are plenty of conservatives who are being endorsed. Um, but I think that, um, the, <clears throat> again, I think it has to do more with, uh, um, uh, I think it has to do more with, uh, not what you say, but how you say it kind of thing, right? This comes back to the whole faculty thing and all that kind of stuff that we're seeing out there. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think that, uh, um, it, it's not surprising to me. I guess I'll put it that way. But again, the kind of the scorched earth policy, I mean, is even represented in this email, this press release that came out. That, that this is how they feel about it. Um, if somebody doesn't agree with you, it's a personal attack on you uh, and on everything you stand for that, that you know, we should burn the world down over it. Um, but again, not, I guess not that surprising. I don't know why I was surprised when I read the email and thought, oof, you know, Um I don't think anybody likes the the negativity in that regard, and uh, that's uh, that's the thing. Um, but anyway, that is kind of the roundup from the legislative session and from all the things that are going on out there. We will uh, we'll see what uh, we'll see what happened. Um, all right, we're coming up on the break right now. We might as well just uh, we might as well just get ready to go. Uh, Chris Story is coming up, the man from Homer. He's going to give us our. Uh, He's going to give us our weekly life coaching lesson here in just a bit, and then we'll probably follow up in the final segment of the show today with a few phone calls from you guys to see what. So if you've got questions, you've got questions, we'll we'll put answers out there on the phone lines here later on in the program. This hour of the show being brought to you by your friends over there at Satellite West. You can find more about them at SatelliteWest.com for all your satellite uh, communications needs and, uh, you know, satellite, cellular, VHF, whatever it is, any kind of communicative stuff, those are the folks that you need to talk to. Again, go to SatelliteWest.com to, uh, to talk with them. All right, we got more coming up. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, Free Thinking Radio. We'll be back with more right after this. Chris Story, our guest. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these uh, entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. 
streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> nothing in that vote had anything to do with the fact that he didn't vote for the full PFD, right? Oh, but it was a huge budget. It was the whole. Okay. All right. Whatever. Uh, we just, I, I'm just, you know, had nothing to do with the fact that he voted against a full PFD. That could have nothing to do with it. Just throw that out there. I'll just throw that out there. What what does he got going on? What do you got going on? All right. Um, <clears throat> I mean, what are you going to do at that point? What are you going to do? Let me get uh, let me get this all set up here. I'll get Chris Story. Get ready for some story time. Story time with Chris Story. Uh, we'll see if we get him. Uh, uh, Get them all squared away. Okay. Got it? Got it. We are all ready right now. We are all ready. Okay. Whew. If Kirkman and Eastman didn't kill the PFD, it would be over $5,000 per person. Yeah. I mean, I I, I agree. I, I think that that is something that's probably honestly going to come back to haunt them. In the in the long run, I think that vote will have uh, deeper impacts than what they expected. That's my that's my take on it uh, as we go through. Um, I think it has everything to do with the budget vote. He wouldn't provide cover for the rhinos. It is sad that other conservatives did. I don't. I mean, provide cover. Um, they people wanted a full PFD. There was an opportunity there for a full PFD. And it would have been the first time, and it would have set a precedent. And I think it would have been good, Chris. Um, I don't know about providing cover <clears throat> for rhinos. Um, but, you know, he made his vote, and he'll have to live with it. I think that will be the bottom line. He made his vote, he made his position, and he'll have to, uh, he'll have to live with that, and we'll see what comes down with that. Um, uh, yeah, the vote wasn't even close, said Davy. Said David. Um, the vote was not even close on that. Uh, the vote on Heath Smith was really close. I thought for a moment he wasn't going to get the endorsement. Uh, David said, yeah, we censured her as a party for the third time total. I thought it was just the second time, but apparently it was the third time. Um, if you're going to talk about revenue, then let's talk. Don't end at oil. I know Jerrica is talking about... Um, uh, agriculture, wanting to talk about agriculture and food security. <clears throat> it's one of the things that we should be focusing on, I would agree with, especially as we look at what's going on across the nation. Times are tight. I don't know if you saw the, I mean, I read, I just looked at the headlines today on Drudge. I didn't actually read the stories, but there's a whole bunch of stories um, uh, talking about, uh, you know, that, you know, we're looking at a fiscal crisis. Uh, we're looking at it. We're looking at some fiscal crises and having a and having a, um, a more sustainable food supply, especially out here at the end of the logistical chain, would make a lot of sense. So it's something that we should be working on. All right, uh, Chris Story, uh, the man from Homer, I believe, is ready to join us uh, this morning. Hello, sir. How are you? I don't know about ready, but I'm here, Michael. 
you ready, ready, willing, and able, or just willing? <laughs> you know, a little bit like sitting next to the exit row. Yeah, I'm, I'm able. I'm able. Am I willing to crack that door open and leap off the wing of a plane? Probably not. Um, I'm the first one out. Uh, yeah, I'm the first one. <laughs> That's why Chris sits there. Forget about the handicapped right. kid next to me. I'm going out first. Um, so, <laughs> uh, what are what's our topic today, Chris? Two questions that might change your life. Two questions that might change our life. All right, we're ready to go. Uh, we're ready to do it. All right, so two questions that might change our life. Chris Story, our guest. Let's get back into it. Here we go. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Please like and share this show and uh, like and follow the show page. Let's get it uh, going on. Uh, Chris Story, our guest, and uh, let's kick it off. Here we go. All right, uh, continuing now, our weekly guest who comes on for, well, for my benefit, not necessarily for yours. If you benefit out of it, then that's just a fringe. I mean, right, I do this because I need to have these conversations with Chris Story every week. I need my life coaching. Uh, it's what keeps me sane. It's what keeps me, it's what keeps me even uh, throughout here. Chris Story, the man from Homer, the realtor, the writer, the potter. The, I mean, a little bit of everything. He is a renaissance man par excellence. He comes on today to ask us two questions that could possibly change our lives. Chris Story. Good morning, my friend. Good morning, Michael. What a glorious day here on top of the world. How are you? You know, not too bad. Did you guys get some wind down there last night or was it kind of calm? Decent. Decent. We got a little bit of wind yesterday. I was watching uh, Cooper and Reagan. They just jumped off the deck and were doing some business out on the lawn. And all of a sudden, a gust of wind came up. And Cooper, which is, he's a King Charles Kevlar spin, which is when God said, let there be dog. Uh, that's the breed he, he meant. And uh, we finally got it right. But anyway, uh, he's just watching. <laughs> and one of the rocking chairs on the deck just started rocking like, you know, a big guy was sitting in it. Only nobody was there. And he just watched it rock and rock and blow over. And he just kind of looked at it, and anyway, it's really interesting. It's like what a what an interesting, insightful dog. <laughs> I guess your dog is super intelligent. We get it, you know. Thank you for King, thank you for acknowledging that, Michael. King Charles Cavalier Spaniel. It's you know only for rich people in the techno geek herd. Um, all right, uh, all right. So two questions, Chris. You're going to hit us with two questions today that could cause us to change our lives, or could change our lives. For the better, just give, what do we got here going on? I think by asking these two questions, you will, asking and answering, of course, it presupposes you're going to answer them when you ask a question of yourself. And so I believe that these two questions will, I, I said might change your life. I think they will change your life, of course, pending your answer. But before I ask those two questions or share them with you, I want to share a story. I interviewed an author the other day by the name of John Leake, and he co-authored a book called the courage to face COVID-19. He co-authored it with Dr. Peter McCullough, who's, uh, you know, infamous in the fight against um, death and hospitalization uh, since uh, 2020 and, and early 
treatment has been his focus and repurposed drugs and it's cost him his career in a lot of ways, but he's found another career. He's found a career in communications and, and uh, becoming a broadcaster and somebody who can put information into the world that's useful. So at the end of this interview with John Lake, who's a fabulous, fabulous communicator himself and was able to help Dr. McCullough take his message and put it into a, a story and style that's just incredibly easy to consume and understand. I asked John, I said, John, I mean, you know, what can the average person, and we're talking in respect to the the idea that early treatment was suppressed, that there's been early treatment available since March of 2020 relative to fighting COVID. And I said, what can the average person do? And he, he answered that question this way that really impressed me. He said, well, I'm an average person and I wrote a book. And so we think of authors and published authors and people that are in the public eye as being something other than average. And the truth is, he answered that question really honestly. He's not. He's nothing more than a guy who puts one sentence down and then chooses a way to end that sentence and start the next. And he did so and published this book with with Dr. McCullough because he wanted to make a difference. And so here's the two questions that I think will change your life if you ask and answer them in this order. What can you do? And then the powerful companion question to that is, are you doing it? So with respect to your health, what can you do? Are you doing it? With respect to your finances, your economy, the economy. I I just started a a book that is actually going to keep me up at night. It's called A Banquet of Consequences. And I'm convinced that in in this book, we're going to find out exactly what led up to the 2008 financial global crisis and what's led up to then the the financial crisis following COVID-19 that's on its way. But the idea is when I consume that information, Michael, what can I do about it? And will I do something? What can I do? And will I do it? Those are the two most powerful questions you can ask right now on any subject in your life at your disposal. You know, I wonder if the number one the number one malady in uh, in the in human nature, uh, the number one malady is inaction, uh, because we get a lot of stuff, we get a lot of information. I mean, today in the information age, we're inundated with <clears throat> info, and I was just laughing the other day because I was thinking about um, you know uh, being a kid and wondering about uh, you know certain things like. Somebody says something when, you know, somebody weighs such and such, somebody weighs 10 stone or something. And I'm like, how much is a stone? How, you know, what's the actual weight equivalent? And I used to think, and I was thinking about that the other day because it came up and I was like, I can look that up on the, on my phone real quick. And I thought, wait a second, when I was a kid, I would have had to have gone down and tracked down a encyclopedia or gone to the library or something. We are inundated with information. We've got a lot of information, but what we are saturated with, I think a lot of times is in action. And whether that's through fear or analysis or I don't know what it is, but you're right. What are we, what are we, what can we do and are we doing it? The problem is a lot of us know what we should be doing. We should be exercising. We should be eating healthy. We should be, you know, getting enough sleep. We should be reading things that improve our brain. But are we doing it? Is it easier to do something else. And, uh, I mean, I'd be the first to say that, you know, I know I should be exercising more and being healthier, but, uh, I'm tired. I've, I've got uh, things and I'm busy and, you know, I mean, inaction I think is a big part of it. So it's an important part of your question. That second question, are you doing it is what's really striking home to me. The second. 
I agree with you. Acknowledging, oh, this is something I can do, cuts through the overwhelm. And we do have information overwhelm. It's right at our fingertips. We had a dinner party the other night, and somebody mentioned uh, Shaquille O'Neal and and uh, his his commercial. And, and um, there was something came up about how tall he was, and there was a debate between three of us. Is he seven foot or closer to eight foot? And it's like instantly that argument is settled with a quick Google search and you find out he's seven foot one. And so all this, right. that's superfluous, completely innocuous information, but it's all there. There's no reason not to know something that's right at your fingertips. But the question is, what are you here to do? There's something you're here to do. And whether you're talking to somebody who's eight, you know, 28, 88, you know, 98, there's something you're here to do. I, I watched a speaker the other day that literally moved me to tears. And I and I thought this individual didn't ask to be in this position. He didn't ask for this accident to take away his mobility. He didn't ask to be a, a public speaker and somebody who would provide motivation to those that are fully abled and yet may not be doing anything or doing what it is they're here to do. And this person from his wheelchair just as said, moved me to absolute tears and inspired me to say, wait a minute, Okay, what am I here to do, and am I doing it? I think each of, each of us was born on purpose and with a purpose. And part of the journey, part of the great piece of life, and one of the, the you hopefully you don't ever put that last piece of the puzzle together, that you're constantly searching, constantly on a journey of discovering what it is you're here to do at this stage of life. Maybe you've retired from one one aspect of your life or a career and you've moved into to this stage you're not done you're not fully baked you're still here to do something what can you do and are you doing it about the financial collapse that we're witnessing it's like a slow moving train wreck with this inflation and the six trillion dollars that we've just printed out of magical thinking and, and is indebted upon our great grandchildren at this point and added to the 30 some odd trillion that we already owed using air quotes to whom nobody really knows and will it ever be paid back it's not designed to be paid back what can i do about it and before you know it you go into a sense of overwhelm okay what can you do i've made a goal and a commitment michael to help one thousand people in the next 24 months become millionaires one thousand people becoming millionaires through what i do which is to to talk about real estate ownership and it widen your own portfolio and your footprint in your community and that's what i can do and the question is am i doing it yes i'm working on it it's something i talk about it's something i think about i write about it podcast about it it's something that's within my control i can't fix the economy but i can help you fix your economy and your future and your destiny and help you secure your own uh, achievements and and solid foundation on which to stand so how do we decide, I mean, again, two questions, what are you here to do and are you doing it? How do we decide what it is that we're here to do? I mean, what is the process in your mind? I think, I think that journey of self-discovery can often be mistaken as navel-gazing. Some people are critical <laughs> of those that, that, that are uh, into self-improvement or self-discovery, but I think stopping and just listening you know i think you already know the answer to that question in your own heart in your mind and if you don't then i suggest just simply giving and beginning to, to give wherever you can pick a charity pick a cause pick somebody that could use some help 
find a way to give something because you you've extrapolated out of life a great deal of knowledge wisdom in some area where others are still struggling some people would love to be able to even step onto the ladder of which you've already climbed to the top and so look around who can you help and who can you serve and become a mentor to um this is one of the greatest gifts we can give is is the gift of leaving a legacy leaving your thumbprint on somebody i told the story a thousand times the first guy that ever uh the first guy that handed me a book on real estate changed my life simply by handing me the book and then here's what he said he said that if you read this it'll be equivalent to a four-year degree in real estate so i took that to heart he didn't have to say it he didn't have to make that mark on me he could have just walked into the, the hardware store and left but he didn't, and he made a difference. And so what are you here to do? What can you do, and are you doing it? And in, in between those two questions, one might even find that you're a little bit afraid, you're a little bit scared, or you don't want to leave that comfort zone, or what if what if I'm not smart enough? What if I get rejected, blah, blah. All of these kinds of what if questions might come up in, in a little bit like flack over the target. The, the more uncomfortable you get as you come to an answer might be your answer. It might be this is your target. This is where you're supposed to be, especially if it makes you uncomfortable. So you're not giving me much of an out here story. You're saying uh, we no. already you already know what you're called for. You already know what it is in your heart of hearts. You just may not want to. I mean, is it that I just don't want to, you just don't want to look at it? You just don't want to, and, and again, I agree with you. I think it is fear. I think it's the fear of failure. I think it's the fear of if this is truly what my calling is, but I don't do a good job at it, then uh, then again, I think if I just ignore it, then I can never fail at it. And uh, I mean, I, so you're, you're, you're not giving me much of an out here. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely not. And I don't give myself one either. And I constantly hold myself to my own standard of, am I living up to what it is that I say I'm here to do? And I believe, and I have for almost 20 years, that I'm supposed to be of service, serving, and motivating, inspiring, and helping people to accomplish what it is they want. So I call it Zig's Law. Zig Ziglar said, you can have whatever you want in life if you'll help up, help enough other people get what they want. Well, I read that about 20 some odd years ago, and then I, like I say, 20 years ago, took it to heart and said, yeah, that is what I'm here to do. I am here to help other people get what they want, be it through sales, which I think is a high noble calling, or writing, which is another form of sales, or speaking, or podcasting and broadcasting, all of which I look at as helping somebody, you, get what you want in life, because you deserve it. You deserve to live as an eagle versus a chicken. You deserve to have what you want, no matter how little or much that is. And that's what I feel like I'm here to help in that journey. Chris Story, uh, ilovehomeralaska.com is where you find him and his writings, his books and more. Chris, let's summate here. Two questions. What are you supposed to do in life and are you doing it? How do people how do people jumpstart this? Give me, get, you know, give me the, <clears throat> give me the shortcut. How do, how do we get, how do we get from one to the other? How do we pick that out in your mind? Sort of a little bit like, uh, what, what do you call those uh, witching rods or the dowsing rods that somebody's looking for water, right, right. To cross and vibrate at a certain point over the water. I believe that some people are able to do that and have that sensitivity within themselves. And I think each of us, you and I each have this ability to say, what can I do? And am I willing to do it, even if it costs me something, time, energy, emotion, vulnerability? Ask that question and repetitively ask it. What can I do? 
about what it is that's making you most afraid right now or angry even, for example. And you might find, well, what can I do? I could run for office. Uh, I could write opinions. I could write op-eds. I could call my legislator. I could call my my representatives. I can do something. I can go help that person. Fentanyl is crossing the border like crazy and killing people. What can you do about it? I don't know. Ask that question of yourself. Is there something you can do? Can you help with the opioid crisis, the homeless crisis, financial crisis? And if you have some ability to do something about what it is that makes you most upset right now, are you doing it? And are you willing to do it? All right. Well, we've got our marching orders now, and again, very little wiggle room left from Chris Story on that. You, you, you've got, you've got. I mean, he's just he's calling it like he sees it. So the questions we should be asking ourselves are: one is, what are we meant to do? What are we here for? What are we? What is our calling? And two, are we doing it? And that could be incremental, right? Are we moving forward to that goal? We don't have to like somebody says, my goal is my my calling is to engage people and inspire people in public speaking. Doesn't mean you stop down to the street corner and drop a soapbox down and stand up on it and start going. It could be incremental moves to that, right? Absolutely. Or you could. You could do that. And by the way, public speaking can be to a party of one. Doesn't have to be the thousands. It's it usually you think of broadcasting and public speaking as one to many. It could be one to one and just beginning to engage in that conversation publicly, privately, even with just one person. Get started. Okay. Chris Story, author of the book The Backyard Millionaire, and uh, author of the Making of Man series, and author of Born to Live, and uh, uh, author of the brand new podcast, The Backyard Millionaire Podcast, and available uh, every Tuesday and Thursday on the uh, stations of KPEN down on the peninsula with his show, uh, which is uh, you deal with both realty and with positivity, right? Yes, sir. On top of the world radio. Okay. All right. Chris Story, again, I love homeralaska.com is his website. Thanks, my friend. I appreciate you coming in. As always, yeah, my, my pleasure. Uh, much needed dose of positivity for me. I needed that. I More than anybody else, I needed that. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, we'll be back with more. We're going to open up the phone lines. Powered by our friends at Satellite West, 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. The Michael Duke Show continues after these messages. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right. In the break right now. <clears throat> and uh, Chris is uh, gone, so he's not going to stick around with us. He's like in and out like a duck mating. Just gone out of it. Uh, all right. Uh, you guys got awful quiet. Awful quiet. Daniel says, at least with exercise, the easiest motivation is to make yourself a priority for 60 to 90 minutes a day and make that 60 to 90 minutes non-negotiable. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, Daniel. I hear what you're saying. But I'll be honest with you. It is hard. It It is, it is hard. Uh, if I have one struggle 
Um, well, I have more than one struggle, but if I had one real struggle with that, it is it is that time. Time for me is um, is precious, and uh, I uh, I work a lot. <laughs> I I work a lot, and so by the end of the day, <clears throat> I'm I'm pretty pooped. I'm I'm tired. But you're right. I mean. I know I need to do it. And intellectually, I know I need to do it. Intellectually, I know I should take some time. I should do those things. And it's just, it is not, it's not popped for me. So what Chris is giving me is, it's important. Are you doing it? No. Should you be? Yes. (laughs) Okay. All right. I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I need to take time out of the middle of the day to go do it. Maybe that would make it easier. I don't know. I, 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 you know, sometimes it sucks. He says, not going to lie, but you have to learn to love the process. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, 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 I hear that. I, 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 I understand that's what a lot of people say, you know, when they're doing they're walking or they're running or they're doing some kind of exercise, you know, they learn to love it. Um, I have never experienced that even when I was working out on a weekly basis uh, or daily basis, working out every week, you know, I even I never said, boy, I really love this. (laughs) It was always like, oof, this is a this is a hard one. This is a hard one. Um but yeah, I uh, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, I'm not letting you off easy. I own a gym. I'm going to hound you now, says Daniel. <laughs> you know what? It's not like it's anything really easy. It's not like I was out there throwing weights or anything. I was just thinking like I need to get out there and walk a mile a day or do something like that. And it was just like it's the time that's overwhelming for me. It's the time. I mean, <clears throat> I work 13 hours a day, 14 hours a day sometimes. And so I'm like. I just want to sit down and relax a little bit and not think about anything else and have a little dinner and then go to bed. But maybe I need to readjust my priorities. I, you know, I'd be the first to admit it that readjusting my priorities is probably not a bad thing. Get a horse, clean up after it, and feeding it will give you 60 minutes of cardio every day. Oh, great. That's really what I need is a horse. <laughs> I'm already feeding a bunch of children and everything else. That's not something that I need. I don't need a horse to do that. Um, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get into it and we'll go from there. Um, as I park at my trainer's house, I couldn't walk last week. So there's that says Angie. <laughs> I remember getting up a few days like that where I couldn't hardly walk, let alone anything else. I did CrossFit for a while. Which was, I mean, it was nice because it was just down the street from my house and I'd get up every morning and do it. But, oof, man, some of that stuff. Yikes. Yikes. Uh, Fitbit counts grooming as cardio. (laughs) Grooming a horse as cardio. Eh, The horses are a lot of work. I love horses, but they they are a ton of work, that's for sure. Horses are easier than kids. Well, well, okay. All right. Um, what an investment, though. Man, talk about garbage in, garbage out. <clears throat> That's groceries in and groceries out is what that is for uh, for horses as well as for kids. <sighs> well, 
sunshine, blue sky. It's all I see outside in the little slit in my blinds here. Sunshine and blue sky. It's going to be a beautiful day. And uh, as my grandfather used to say, every day above ground is a good day. So we'll be uh, we'll be we'll be enjoying it. Um, no complaints. What are you meant to do, and are you doing it? Hmm. Well, I guess it's something that we should all be thinking about. What are you meant to do? What are you meant to do, and are you doing it? I hope so. I I hope so. 20 seconds out right now. So like and share, like and follow the show page. Do all the youtube things if you're out on YouTube. Uh, make sure that you get things uh, get things squared away out there. Help support the show. Let's dive back into it. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Here we go. Okay, well, one final segment of the show today. And in the end, we like to talk to you, of course, because we can. So let's open up the phone lines powered by our friends over there at Satellite West. You can find them at SatelliteWest.com. 907-433-3150. We'd love to hear from you. Please uh, sound off this morning and give us your thoughts on anything that we've talked about today or, I mean, anything else that we may uh, that you may have on your mind. We're just talking with the chat room, but they're not letting me off the hook. Um, you know, I was saying, you know, I know I should. I know I should exercise more, right? I know I should exercise more. But, um, you know, it's it's the time thing. And, uh, you know, it's time. You're tired. You got. I mean, I got all the excuses in the world. I got all the excuses in the world that you could ask for. I've got those excuses down pat. But I know that I should, in fact, at least go walking every day or something. Um, have you heard about this thing called Conqueror's Challenge? Um, uh, I was... Uh, uh, I, I was looking at it the other day, and uh, it is a it's a virtual challenge for walking at your own pace, scenic views, walking with others, that kind of stuff. Um, I thought about doing that because there's a little bit of accountability uh, b- b- baked into that whole deal, um, and I thought that would be that would be an interesting thing, and uh, I'm I'm con- I'm considering I'm considering that. Um, it's, uh, you do it and you get metal challenges and you get, you get medals back. And anyway, it's a pretty, it's a pretty cool little deal. Uh, but it has to do of course with walking and they've got, they've even got a Lord of the Rings thing where you can like do the Shire and follow Sam and Frodo's path. 
Uh, you know, it's a 145-mile route and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, it's an interesting uh, – it's an interesting thought. Somebody just said trap shooting is good exercise. It is. It's true. Trap shooting is pretty good exercise for, well, I mean, as much as you do it, you'd have to shoot a lot of ammunition to get, like, serious exercise out of it. But, uh, you know, it's it, it it's a good question. Good question. Um, all right. Um, I'm not the only one, says Tony. Uh, door knocking on campaigns could be exercise. <laughs> I mean, we could turn exercise into anything, right? Um, I mean, it just it. it but it, you have to you have to commit to it. I've been uh, I've been thinking about uh, uh, I've been thinking about what Chris said. You know, knowing what you're supposed to be here doing and are you doing it? Um, I mean, I, I think I know what I'm supposed to be doing, and I think that I'm doing it uh, in regards to trying to share and shape and you know my community and and work with it and inform and educate and enlighten my community through the broadcast and radio and everything but at the same time there's other things in my life that I should be doing too as well that I I neglect neglect as well uh, moving your jaw all day is exercise well I get plenty of exercise I've probably got the strongest jaw muscles you've never ever seen uh, from talking all day but it needs to be more than that it needs to be holistic I think and uh, I think that's uh, I think that's something that we need to we need to work on. Um, all right. Uh, phone lines are open right now. Four, three, three, thirty one, fifty four, three, 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 one, five, zero. If you would like to sound off, we'd love to hear from you. Coming up on tomorrow's program, we will be joined by uh, State Senator Mike Shower for our shower hour of power. And uh, we'll talk with him in hour two. Working on guests for hour one, we'll figure out who that is going to be. Uh, don't know yet. I've got some, I've got some invites and some requests out, but we'll see who will join us in hour one on Thursday's program. Uh, already got Thursday all filled up. Benjamin Vincent, who is running in uh, from Kodiak, he's running in the state house against Louise Stutes. He's going to be joining us, and then from in hour two from Homer. Uh, Heath Smith will be joining us. He is the newly endorsed candidate for the Senate district down there. Um, and he will be uh, running against Gary Stevens, and he's going to be an hour too. So, kind of the Southern Peninsula Kodiak uh, uh, focused show tomorrow uh, as well. So, that'll be coming on here, and uh, we'll be, we'll be, uh, we'll be talking about that here tomorrow. Um, Tires are tiring work. I have busted tires. I have done that. I have run. I have busted tires, mounted and balanced, and and swapped tires. I've I've done all that kind of work. And you're right. It's a there's a lot of work based in on that. There's a lot of different things you could do to turn it into exercise. Um, you don't just have to be you know a blacksmith or something like that to get all your exercise in in one day. Although blacksmithing is definitely um, also another thing that is uh, that is very uh, 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 labor intensive and time consuming. I guess it's harder for those of us who are stuck in like office type jobs um, to to find ways to exit. I mean, I could just be do, I could be just clenching right now. I could just be doing isometric exercises in my chair while I'm on the while I'm on the radio, or I could be doing that at my desk at, at the radio station or whatever. I could be doing isometric exercises. Uh, for it. Or I could get one of those standing desks that everybody stands all day and walks around. I don't know. 
always trying to find another excuse why I couldn't do what I could do. I could just get out and walk a half an hour a day uh, around the neighborhood and, uh, you know, at the end of the day or the middle of the day or whatever and do all those things. Uh, got to gotta find a way to overcome those. Got to find a way to overcome those baked in um, objections or excuses, I guess, for yourself. All right. Well, I'm human. I'm human and I'm working on it. How about that? That's I'm human and I'm working on it. Don't expect me to be perfect. So, um, <clears throat> all right. Uh, that's pretty much, uh, it's pretty, I got a forge not working on an anvil swing, swinging a three to five pound hammer sounds fun. I, you know, I, I love to watch those shows. I love to watch the videos of the people making cool, you know, stuff on, uh, you know, in the, the flame and forge kind of thing. Um, but again, uh, you know, I, I, it's almost like you'd rather watch it than participate in it. I get almost as much enjoyment ever watching it as you go through or hauling salmon up a cliff at Chitna. Again, you guys are coming up with all these great workouts where it might be just as simple and easy for me to get out of the chair and walk down the street for a few miles and then walk back. That would probably be just as much exercise without having to do and own boats and get things and do a forge and <sighs> oh well. Oh well. Chris has got me all kind of he's got me all kind of stymied and kerfluffle today because he didn't give me any wiggle room. That's the thing. It's like it's put up or shut up kind of thing. So I guess I got to put up. I guess I got to. I guess I got to stand up and and do it. Well, well, we'll we'll do it. I guess I'll commit to you today. I'll do my walk and I'll report back to you tomorrow if I did my walk. If I didn't, you guys can lambast me. How about that? I will go out and walk today. All right. Well, we're out of time. Be kind to one another. Love one another. Live well. Find your purpose and do something on your purpose today. That's what we need to do. Find find what you need. Find what you're called here to do and go do something on it today. I've done my part for today. We'll see what you do for tomorrow. How about that? Mike Shower, our guest then. Have a great day, my friend. We will see you tomorrow. Well, I mean, I, yeah, no, look, I lost in 2014, I lost 180 pounds. That's a whole person, by the way. And uh, I've kept most of it off. I'm feeling pretty good still overall. I mean, not where I want to be, but I just know that we need to be healthier. We need to be mobile. The key to being mobile into your elderly years is staying mobile your, your whole life. So I'm working on that. But yeah, I lost a bunch of weight back in 2013, 2014. So I know exactly what you mean there, Barbara. All right, friends. Well, that's the end of the show today. I'm done. I got stuff to do. I got to go walk. (laughs) We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. Enjoy yourself. Be kind. Love one another. Live well.
shed our terrestrial radio skin. And now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs> 